50 wins up for the Marlins. But the main question, how good is this offense? This is Locked on Marlins. You are Locked on Marlins, your daily podcast on the Miami Marlins. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings from England and welcome to Locked on Marlins. This, of course, is your daily Marlins podcast. I am your host, Peter Pratt. Hit me up on Twitter at Miami Marlins underscore UK. If you listen to the pod, hit subscribe, leave a review. This, of course, is your team every day. And thanks for making Locked on Marlins your first listen of the day. There is a YouTube channel. Guys, head on over there, hit subscribe. We're almost at 800 subscribers. And what I'd say is there's a lot of Braves fans commenting right now. Head on over there. I'm getting drowned out by the Bravos. Need some Marlins love in there. Um, guys, this is Wednesday's episode. It's a delayed episode. It should have been Tuesdays, but there were some scheduling issues last night. So the UK GOAT is in the house, as promised. Sean Barrett, how are we doing, brother? I'm not bad, Pete. Uh, this uh, Cardinal series has certainly made me feel better. I think if we'd spoke after the Atlanta series, uh, I would have a completely different mood. Yeah, it was painful, wasn't it? Um, thank God the Marlins are out of Atlanta, and thank God they're not seeing them again until, what, mid-September. So 1-9 versus the Bravos. It was painful. I had to do a post-game recap on on Sunday, an emergency pod after uh, you know Jazz exit in the game. And boy, oh boy, the Marlins were just spanked in that series. I think we, you know the Braves are just scorching hot right now. I'm intrigued if they can keep that rolling. History kind of says to... To me, anyway, that July might be a touch too early. They they you might they might have peaked too soon. Let's say. What about you? Yeah, I mean, at the moment they are the cream of the crop, aren't they? They are head and shoulders the best team in the league right now. But yeah, you're right. Who wants to be the best team in July? You need to mm. be the best team in October. So yeah. we'll we'll see how the season progresses. But but right now, yeah, they they uh, certainly would be a scary opponent in playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. If uh, if you know. And we don't match up well, seemingly, with the Bravos at the moment. And, you know, listen, that the, the plan is, you know, there's a good shot the Bravos are going to be the one seed, potentially, in the NL. The Marlins not winning the division, of course, on the back of that, so they end up in the wildcard round. Um, you know, there's a decent shot that the Marlins are, are playing the Braves along the way here. So, you know, Jazz already calling out, saying this is a potential, I think, NLCS matchup. Jazz calling out, which I love to hear from Jazz, by the way. Um you know, we don't match up well. We haven't matched up well, but no one's matching up well with the Bravos. So I think it's one of those series where you just kind of move on quickly. You just get out of there and you take it with a pinch of salt and you don't panic after three games. I know they got spanked, but you roll on. And actually, this is the beautiful thing, mate. They roll into a series back at home where they've played great. I think that's one of the key things this season, mate, just more generally, is like they've seen to struggle at times at, at home. And, you know, struggled to even have a winning record at home and like maybe didn't have quite the right offense makeup, let's say, to, to kind of deal with the conditions. Um, but this year they are playing really nicely at home. They come back home. They're, they're facing a struggling Cardinals team. But, you know, it's still the Cardinals. They've still got a ton of studs, particularly offensively, up and down that lineup. And, you know, OK, game one was a little bit hairy with a comeback win. But, I mean, game two... A 15-2 spanking of the Cardinals, mate. I mean, the Mar the Marlins have never spanked the, the Cardinals 15-2. I'm pretty sure of that. They're such a fundamentally sound ball club. Historically, 
But this year, the Cardinals, something's not quite right. Culture, clubhouse, something's just off. But to see the Marlins doing that to the Cardinals, for me, I just it's truly blown me away, to be honest, mate. What about you? Yes, yeah, certainly. I mean, I think we spoke before about how my hatred for the Cardinals, mm. um, and I think it is just because they, they have so fundamentally just deconstructed the Marlins over the last 10, 15 years. But obviously Molina's yeah. gone. Wainwright stayed one more year, tried to stretch it out one more year. Probably not He's a good, good idea. Um, so I think going into this game, uh, as soon as I saw that he was starting it, it was a case of this is this is a must-win game. And and coming, like you said, coming off the Braves series, but if you look at it, come out a bit and look at it and say three games against Boston, three games against Atlanta, and then four against the Cardinals, no matter what happens now with the rest of this series, that's a 500 record through those three games. If you looked at this in spring and, and looked over this stretch of period of time, which is what we've been calling the hard part of the schedule for so long. Yeah. The Marlins are hanging. They're, they're, they're playing well. And, and that's yeah. if they lose the next two games. There's nothing stopping them from going and winning this series or even sweeping it at this point. The confidence is high. The Cardinals, I mean, how how high can their clubhouse be right now? They're, it, it, they're not used to this. That's the main thing. It is. They're so used to winning their division, having a winning record, making the playoffs. They're only seven games under 500, but... If you if you look at any Cardinal information on social media, it's they're they're firing everybody. It's it's the worst case scenario in the world. So yeah. right now the Cardinals <laughs> are a bit lost. They don't they, they're not used to this. They're not used to these struggles. Um, and it'd be interesting to see whether or not they can recover from it, or whether they're ultimately going to be sellers. That is going to be one of the big questions. They're one of the big teams in terms of like question marks around them, and irrespective of selling. Like the Cardinals clearly have a, an issue with some pitching. They need some arms. They need some big league arms. They need some high quality arms. And they've got too many sticks. Like there's some that you you know you you rate more highly than others. But overall, the Cards they've just got too many similar guys. I think, and they they should look to move one or two of them and, and acquire some some pitching. You know, we spoke about it. You know, probably since the off season, really, these clubs match up. Even now, heading you know into July, through into the deadline, like they still match up. I spoke about it in the everyday as well here. I, it wouldn't shock me if they made a trade during this this series. To be honest with you, like you know, if the Marlins pummel them, you know, let's say the Marlins sweep the Cardinals, you know, that's four L's on the spin there for the Cards. What's to say they don't don't find a way to make a trade? I'm pretty sure that happened in a series, not for the Marlins, but did that happen in an Angels Rocky series or something where? mid-series, mid-game, a trade was executed and there you go. You know, the, the Rockies were like, actually, we're cooked. The Angels were trying to add. Who knows? But to your point, though, made about the cards, they're normally just such a machine, a well-oiled machine. And to see the Marlins fully dismantle, and okay, I get it, Wayno isn't the same dude anymore. We saw him in London, mate, and like, he struggled in London badly. A lot of pitchers have struggled in London, but it's clear that Wayno is not that guy anymore and listen it was pretty much like BP at that at some point in that first inning in particular with that that curveball mate it was just sitting up there I think maybe seven of the first eight Marlins hitters had a hit like it was just hit after hit after hit and actually they only scored three runs in that first inning and you're thinking have they let them off the hook in the end they didn't 15-2 mate but to dismantle the Cardinals like that I mean I've never seen anything like that to be honest with you and uh, you know fourth of July game day game 
you know, it, 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 it did come. There was some collateral damage, though, mate. And that's Jonathan Davis, where Jazz goes down. Big loss. Jonathan Davis, you think it's going to take over at center, mate. He's then stretched fully out for a, for a grab and ends up hurting his knee. We're not quite sure of the prognosis. X-rays were clear, so he hasn't broke a bone. But MRI pending, is it muscular? Is it, you know, anything? Um, it didn't look good, though. And in a game where you end up winning 15-2, they're always the even tougher injuries to take where it happens in a situation and you think, man, you could have just let that ball land and really the outcome would not have changed. But do you, we'll talk about Dane Myers, but just overall, because I'm a little bit higher maybe on Davis than others. Where do you sit on Davis in terms of his impact to the, to the Marlins at this point? Um, because I've been high. I'm not sure I'm, everyone's as high as me. Yeah, I mean, it's a case of he's he was the next man up and, and performed that role. He, when he came over, it was a case of this guy is going to play good, decent centre field defence. And and we'll see what we get with a stick. I I've always on the, the opinion that catcher, shortstop, and centre fielder give me good defense, give me eighty five mm-hmm. WRC plus, and I'll be happy. Yeah. Um, do, do it on league minimum as well. That always helps. Yeah, so man. that's pretty much what he brought in, and his bat was a little bit better than that, but that was mostly Babip and luck. I think he I think he was playing at the level more or less of what we could expect from him. And it is a case of it's another next man up situation, especially with yeah. Jazz down now, and that's going to be that's going to be to the deadline at this point, isn't it? More than likely, so it's it's going to be interesting to see which way the miners go. I, you know, is it going to be Hampton again? I hope not. His his not only is the stick not that interesting, his centre field defence, in my opinion, was poor. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I'll be interested to see how he goes. Maybe there's a young guy that they bring up and see if they can catch lightning in the bottle. Yeah, I'm intrigued. Well, let's just briefly touch on Dane Myers because I think this like links into him. Let's start with the fact that he made his debut yesterday. So he came in and replaced uh, JD as he exited. He went in and played center field. So we're all talking about Dane Myers, third base, Gene Segura. Let's get him out of here. I wasn't saying that, but that's you know Marlon's Twitter vibes. Dane Myers, let's get him. And next thing is he's up and he's playing center field, making his debut and struck out on his first plate appearance, but then goes two hits after that. I think both of those hits... He ends up scoring as well. So a multi-hit day, plus I think both runs, both hits scored. I'm gonna just going to double double check that because I might be wrong. And they did. And, uh, and an RBI as well. So impressive start for Dane Myers. I do think, you know, this is the interesting part now, right? And this is what I put it out there on Twitter as well. It was an interesting decision because John Birdie's on the bench at that point. Birdie's played center field before. He's more than capable. Um, Jesus Sanchez could theoretically slot into center field. So it's interesting that the decision was actually from Skip Schumacher. Let's get Dane Myers out there in center field for his debut. So I'm kind of thinking and sitting there thinking, okay, if JD is down, let's say JD misses the rest of up until the all-star break. And let's hope that he's going to be back after the all-star break, but that gives him the next, what, five games. You know, there's a decent shot that Dane Myers is going to be the starting center fielder and get a ton of playing time here. Um, I don't know. It's probably the sample size is too small. It's fair to say after three uh, plate appearances, mate. But you know, you can't ask for any more for a, a guy to come up in what will be an extremely nervous situation for him. Go two for three, both runs score plus an RBI, and he's out there, you know, doing his thing at center field. I mean, this would be a huge dub for the Marlins if they can actually find another guy that can produce. That was a minor league rule five guy, former pitcher, 
only started really hitting in 2021. Absolutely wild. And this is, again, another example of why this year and these Marlins are different. Because all other years, every top prospect would come in and flame. Now you, you're picking up scraps from other clubs, turn them into studs. And they're contributing to the major league level. Who are these Marlins? Yeah, who are they? It, it is a case of you see this all the time in baseball, um, June, July, August. You know, it gets deep into the season and teams are bringing up these depth pieces. And then you see the stats and they're hitting like 280 with, you know, good power. And you're like, who is this guy? I've never heard yeah, of him. Yeah. That happens everywhere except for the Marlins. Yeah. Or at least it doesn't feel like it anyway. It's been a long time. And yeah, we, we've with Myers, it is a case of he's played a little bit of centre field uh, in double A this year. And then when he stepped up to triple A, it was pretty much predominantly first base and third. So I think that's where the Marlins kind of wanted to sort of, as he progressed, sort of put him in his role. But he can play centre field. And, and as you said, it's super small sample size. But it's, it is a case of so far, so good. We've seen before with Jazz how bad someone can look at the beginning playing centre field. So, mm. you know, it is a case of we can't say he's going to be a good centre fielder, but we, we can't also say that he's going to be a bad one. So time will tell. Um, yep. And, yeah, if he keeps on hitting, I mean, he was hitting over 400 in AAA. He's currently yep. hitting over 600 in the major leagues. Of course, that's not going to continue. But if he can, yeah, if he can do the semi-decent centre field defence, 85 WRC+, plus, not hurt the team, then the other guys are going to have to go, isn't it? Yes, I'd like to see Jazz out there, obviously healthy, playing well. But yep. the replacement for him is not going to be Jazz or Jazz-level skills. So no. just play your role, do your job, and those timely hits will help. And the, the rest of the team are going to have to, to up the game and, and perform. Yeah. What do you think the corresponding move might be if JD has to go down? Let's say he goes on the 10-day IL and they just say, listen, you know, let that knee rest and heal until the All-Star break. What could you see be the corresponding move? I think you mentioned Hampson. I think there's also Xavier Edwards could and should be an option. Obviously, Peyton Burdick could be an option, um, who's been up too. Like, we're kind of seeing a cycle through the guys that have kind of gone up and down. Um, if it was you, and I think this does pertain to how confident the Marlins are with Dane Myers' outfield defense, probably. Um but like I said, the indications there are they feel pretty comfortable comfortable with him at center field in a blowout game. So I guess that's the kind of caveat here. But where do you think they go with this if indeed um, it is a, an IL stint for JD? I mean, realistically, I can actually see them going Hampson yeah. um, just because it is, he's that older player and and you can trust him to do what he's going to do. It's not going to be great. But if it's going to be a bench role anybody, anyway, especially yeah. if they are going to keep Myers in, in the maybe not the starting lineup, but keep playing him more, you know, four or five times a week, then then Hampson is the better option simply to be that day off guy, the bench bat, the the replacement late into an inning, or whatever it is. If you're gonna bring up uh, an Edwards or even a Burdick, I mean at this point how much trust do I have in Burdick? I mean, not a great amount to be honest. No. Um and then anyone else, I mean, I I, I like Jake Mangum. I think I've said that plenty of times, but yeah. that's a 40-man that's a situation, and I don't see them making any kind of move that way. So, unfortunately, it's likely to be Hampson, or at least that's where my mind is. Yeah, and the other guy I, I didn't mention on that list either was Jacob Amaya. Obviously, he was, I guess, the most recent um, promotion. But And that's I mentioned this again on an earlier pod. What we're seeing with these guys that are being kind of shuttled up is their playing time is really limited when they're up. And we 
kind of saw that with Dane Myers too, where he's up, he sits on the bench for two days. Um, you know, the hottest hitter in AAA, but it doesn't matter. Like Skip's kind of like, you know, he's taking more of a Braves approach with some, you know, platoon elements in there, like clearly. But, you know, that's the thing about the Bravos is you kind of know their lineup pretty much every day. The Marlins actually have, have had, I think, the second most lineup, the variance in lineup. So, but I think that's primarily driven by injuries, to be honest with you, rather than, than not. But I do feel wh- that Skip's approach is very different to Donnie, where Donnie was like cycling guys all of the time. Whereas Skip's a bit more like, I've got my first team, righty-lefty, who's on the mound. And the other guys are kind of bench bats if they're not in that platoon. And I kind of like it, to be honest with you. Um, and, and, you know, it, you know your team. You, give, you, you kind of sprinkle in a little bit of day off here and there based on the platoons. But I like that approach. Like the old Donny days where you look at a sun, like the Sunday lineups, mate. I mean, we know this better than anyone as UK fans. I mean... It was like every Sunday, it was a white flag lineup. Like every bench player would be in there. Sandy would be starting. Sandy would, you know, go nine, give up one, and they'd lose the game. But Skip's approach is different, and I like the approach. What about you? Yeah, it's a case of creating consistency, isn't it? And having people know their role, know their position, know their spot in the lineup. That carries value, knowing you know pretty much where you're going to be. And yeah, there's some movement with with injuries and, and whatnot, as you said. But but ultimately, Skip to me, at least in the early part of his managerial career, is a guy that likes guys in that role. Like if you look at how, how he used his bullpen, it is a case of Skip has that reliability on these people. This is this is where I like you. You've performed well for me there. That's what I'm going to keep doing with you. I'm not going to mess yeah. you around too much. Um, and so far, yeah, I mean. It's night and day, isn't it? Difference between Donnie and Skip. It is. Um, and and so far for Skip, it's 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 working. And I think, yeah, there's you know you do want to adjust the the lineup depending on matchups, not just lefty righty, but also who might be on the actual mound and history numbers and all yeah. things like that. But I don't. Sometimes people can get too cute with that. Like I like my saving metrics, but sometimes it's just a little. You're you're thinking too much. You're getting your you're overthinking it too much. And it yep. is a case of just play the guys where they know they're going to be playing and let them go out and, and do their game. Um, and, and so far, it's worked. I think what you're saying to me, uh, Sean, if I'm, if I'm uh, translating this correctly, is just put Coop in the five hole and leave him there. <laughs> That's 100%. what you're telling me. 100%. <laughs> um, let's talk about a good friends over and a, a delayed uh, ad here. So I apologize for that. But i tell you about a good friends over at Banjul running long on time here. Um, but nevertheless, take your first swing at betting Major League Baseball on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $2,000. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you'll land two, $200. almost said $200,000. Boy, oh boy. Bet 20 bucks and you'll get $200 back in bonus bets. Win or lose. That's 200 you can spend betting everything from the money line over unders to who you think is going to be the, hit the first home run. All on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on Major League Baseball than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. So sign up today. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get up to $200 in bonus bets. It's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. All right, we're running long. 
Um, I wanted to talk about the offense, but we're going to hit the pause button on that and talk about that in kind of part two of today's episode. So we're going to catch up on that. You did mention Skip, and it's night and day. I've got one final one for you here, and then we'll kind of we'll get out of here. Manager of the year conversations are starting to brew. Um, we're a touch biased in some ways on this podcast, rightly so. You know, naturally, we're thinking Skip Schumacher should be in the running. Um, if things ended today, who do you, who do you think would be the NL manager of the year? Like, there's obviously Skips in the mix. You got the Reds that are absolutely trending um, and would win their division. You've got the D-backs as well. Um, so there's, you know, the Marlins clearly aren't winning their division at this point. Um, but I guess Skip has to be in the running. It's probably one out of those three, right, that are gonna gonna be in the mix. Would you say if one of those two or both of those two win the division, they're likely to be ahead of Skip uh, in the NL Manager of the Year running here? I, I think so. I think winning a division is so important. And the thing is, it's manager of the year is a, it's a weird thing. It's not just um, – it's usually expectations, isn't it? What what did you do compared to our expectations? Like the Braves can go and win 110 games and probably not even get a look in. Um, maybe, yeah. maybe they would actually because the expectations are you've got this team and, and you know, I could manage that team to the playoffs. Um so it is a case of expectations. And so when yeah, when you look at Cincinnati, when you look at Arizona, like were we really thinking about them in the preseason or thinking, you know, locks for winning the division? Probably not. So no. I think Skip absolutely deserves to be there in the contention for it. I think make I mean, I know that postseason doesn't matter, but if they make the playoffs, win a couple of series, that's that can't help but influence that decision. But to me, if Skip's high up in the nominations or if he wins it, to me, doesn't really matter. doesn't no. change what I think of him as a manager. I don't need him to get that award for me to know that he's managed well this year and, and looks to be a very good manager because right now that's all I can see. Yeah, totally agree, mate. I mean, to that point, like Donnie was manager of the year in 2020. I mean, he absolutely did deserve it at that point. But what did it actually mean overall? Kind of not too much. And like heading into 2021, uh, it was a complete disaster. So, you know, best manager maybe in 2020 due to dealing with that COVID situation, making the playoffs, winning a series. 2021, boy, oh boy, it was a train wreck. Um, so, but the point you've made there is the correct one. Skip Schumacher has already proven to be, you know, a very, very high-quality manager. And the other thing as well, he's very good at building a staff. <laughs> That's the other thing too. Like he knows where to go to find the right guys because it isn't just Skip. It, it comes even boils down to the guy in the, in the video replay room who's the best in the business. The Marlins have found the best replay guy out there. Do you remember last year, Sean? Just, I mean, this might not just be last year, but for years, it feels like the Marlins were potentially the worst replay challenge team out there some of it was down to the fact that major league baseball review system was shocking there was some you know there was some calls that were absolutely terrible but, but even that is just an indication of like where the marlins have got sizably better than they were last year down to just the ability to challenge at the right time and get them right and get them overturned like that's part of it for skip is knowing who to turn to we went to john jay i want john jay on this staff best outfield guy out there, you know, 
probably the hardest left pec toral muscle in in Major League Baseball as well. But it's all just part of it, right? It isn't just what's happening on the field. Like Skip, he's he, he has a clear vision and purpose in his mind, and he's built a really good staff around him, and the players are bought into it, mate. And I think that is fundamental to this Marlins team this year. Yeah, hundred percent. It is a case of like Skip brought in guys that he's he's played with before or he's been around before. And that's not just because he wants his friends in there. It is a case of mm-hmm. these are guys that he's had a lengthy career scrapping away and fighting away at trying to yeah. remain a major league baseball player. So the players, the people and the players that he's been around, he's he's learned to to harness these good people around him. Um and yeah, he's first time manager. So he was he was honest enough in an interview, I can't remember where, basically saying, look, I'm new to all this, so I'm going to bring in people to, to lighten my load. I want people, I can trust people that I know, yeah. good, sound, baseball minds. Um, I'm not going to be this head honcho guy running down from the top. It's a, it's a collective of, of baseball brains. And uh, yeah, so far, so good. And I guess the key retention too was Mel Stoudemire Jr. as well. We have to call that out. You know, the, he was obviously a free agent um, in the off season, and they managed to find a way to move forward and, and continue his stay, um, which was you know a, a big part of this. And I must say, the Marlins rotation after a, a bit of a tricky start, to be honest with you, the season it it they weren't on all cylinders coming out of the gate. But I must say, as as the years progressed, like we're really starting to see, like Jesus Lazardo is. We were waxing lyrical about him last year. And the crazy thing, and I think Eli put this up from his Fish on First account yesterday, Jesus Lazardo has got exactly the same numbers as he has from last year. And listen, if there's a guy that's, that goes down in this all-star um, situation, I don't know how all the pitching matchups, line, you know, where everyone's rest days are and et cetera, et cetera, but there's a decent chance that Jesus Lazardo ends up as an all-star this year because he's got to be one of the next guys up. Um, which almost feels a bit tough on Braxton Garrett because he's had such a great year. So, you know, the rotation has kind of hit its stride a bit uh, as, as the year's gone on. And so's the offense too. The offense is really kind of clicking. And we're going to talk about that on episode two effectively today. Talk about the offense, the numbers, what we've seen. Um, the Marlins are winning a ton of games. They are well positioned. But we're going to dig into some of the numbers and see some of the trends uh, about this offense so we'll do that soon. Thanks for making Lockdown Marlins your first listen of the day. There could be a second listen dropping real shortly. Thanks to the UK goat, Sean Barrett. I'll be back very, very soon. I'll see you then.